I'm Brenna, a certified sex expert and sex coach who is passionate about human sexuality, female empowerment, and helping people develop the sex life of their dreams. I'm Brian, certified relationship coach, eager to share my unique relationship experiences along with a rich history of sexuality to coach you through your personal journey. And you're listening to Sex on Your Terms. As couples enter into non-monogamous dynamics, the concept of tit-for-tat can often creep in. So what does fairness really look like in non-monogamous relationships? Today, we'll talk about how fairness works in our personal relationship and our thoughts on keeping score when dating and interacting sexually with other people is part of the equation. First, we want to say a very big thank you to our partners, altplayground.net. With so many different gender identities, relationship statuses, and ways to communicate your wants and desires to other users on altplayground.net, it is the most inclusive and modern lifestyle site out there. It's an amazing place to be. We have a community under Front Porch Swingers. We hope if you'll join altplayground.net that you'll come say hello to us there and check out all of the amazing features that Alt Playground has put in place to make it the coolest lifestyle place to be. So, first sex in the news. I am so excited about this one. I know you are. Because, first of all, I love BuzzFeed. Okay, not everyone does, and I totally understand that. But as a millennial, BuzzFeed is kind of part of my culture. If you guys aren't familiar with BuzzFeed, it is an, I would call it an entertainment website. Yes, there are silly quizzes and things like that on there. But what they're really kind of working towards is becoming the news source and information source for people my age. Yeah, I've actually never even looked looked at it until you sent me this article. Oh, I'm obsessed with BuzzFeed. I know you are. I'm also not a millennial. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. It's not necessarily the most serious website out there. No, not at all. But it's fun, and it's a great place for silly, fun information. But what I really love is they are launching a vibrator. And they are actually working towards an entire line of sex toys right now in a bid to become the internet authority on sex and wellness. Here's why this is cool. This is a very mainstream site that is doing this. This is not a Playboy or a Hustler or something like that. Not that those aren't great publications. Yeah, which I I totally celebrate Playboy and Hustler, which we have actually written articles for Playboy, which is awesome. Playboy and Hustler, yeah. yeah. So my, my point is not that those are bad publications by any means, but my point is, BuzzFeed has not been a sexual wellness website up to this point. They've really banked on, like I said, being that entertainment source. And the fact that they are as big as they are trying to break into that sexual wellness space, I think speaks a lot to sex positivity being more in the mainstream. Well, it makes sense. I mean, when I think of Playboy and Hustler, because I'm not a millennial, I remember the magazines. You know, Playboy Magazine, Hustler yeah, Magazine. For sure. No one your age has ever even seen a Playboy Magazine or a Hustler Magazine, most likely. I think I so, did when I was like 10. Like maybe my dad had one and I totally shouldn't have seen it, but I did. But yeah, sure. I've never actually read the magazine. Yeah, but what a what a great way for you know some a group like BuzzFeed to be able to reach the millennial folks because, you know, Playboy and Hustler, you expect kind of sex information to come from them to some degree, sure. but certainly not you know, a media source like a BuzzFeed, which is awesome. Well, that's what I was thinking. What publication for people my age has there really been that's been sex-focused? I can't think of one, really. I can't either. I think the closest is Kinkly, which is also a great site, but it's not necessarily mainstream. In fact, I think most people that I talk to about Kinkly are like, what the hell is that? I, of course, know what it is because we're in this space and I read obsessively, but that's kind of the closest I can think of to something mainstream 
mainstream. BuzzFeed, on the other hand, this is a big deal. Yeah, it's uh, listen. It's also an important move forward, I think. And I would be very shocked if the decision for BuzzFeed to do this doesn't come from the fact that you know folks your age, millennials, are really gearing themselves toward some level of ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, something along those lines. I feel like those topics, particularly with folks your age, is really starting to become a big topic of conversation. Yeah, so the article talks about the fact, well, first of all, it says a surprising pivot for the media company um, is formed as part of a strategic partnership with sex toy manufacturer and porn company, Beesa, which is a longtime advertising partner of BuzzFeed. But yeah, I mean, I think that this is just kind of the perfect storm. And the toy, by the way, is very cool. It's called the Air Vibe, and it has what they refer to as pleasure jets. I, this is not just your run-of-the-mill you know, vibrating dildo or something like that. They really took the time to develop something that can be used by yourself or with a partner. It's very multidimensional as a sex toy. And so I also like that. This isn't just a joke thing. They're not just throwing it out there as, oh, now we're going to make sex toys. They actually wanted to come up with a product that made sense for the market. They call it a labor of love. And I just, I'm so excited about this. I think it speaks to, like I said, a pivot hopefully from additional mainstream media sources, maybe they see this and they go, okay, this is something else we could tap into, which of course is a very positive thing for us sex positive people. For sure. There's nothing bad coming from this. This can, this can only be a good for the space, for sure. For sex positivity, for ethical non-monogamy, it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, I think even the fact that you are now seeing sex toys in places like Walmart and Target is a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Like you never used to be able to go into a Target and buy a vibrator. And now you can. Yeah, and I celebrate that. Me too. I think it's fantastic. It used to be lubes and condoms you could buy there. I always remember seeing Trojan in the aisles, but I never saw a vibrator until I was in a Target about a month ago. Yeah. And I was walking by the wellness section. I'm like, holy heck, what the, this is a vibrator in Target. Yeah, we live in a very small community at the tip of the Rockies. It's not like we're a gigantic urban environment. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it used to be that sex toys were seen as this kind of seedy thing. You had to go to the sex toy store. You had to order it off of Adam and Eve or whatever. And now you can just walk in to Target, get at the same time as you're picking up your prescription or your, you know, new pair of shoes or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Grab yourself some groceries and a vibrator. Nicely done. Why not? Well done. (laughs) Chocolate and a vibrator. That's like my dream come true. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the perfect first date, I feel like. So anyway, I was excited about that. I'm glad we shared that. And hopefully we'll continue to see more companies branching out into sexual wellness and understanding that it's a priority and they should be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. So as mentioned at the top of the episode today, we're going to talk about a concept that gets brought up a lot in non-monogamy, which is fairness. Now, granted, fairness can mean a lot of different things. And that's why we're really going to talk through this, because I think our relationship and our dynamic over and over again has proved that the concept of fairness is not necessarily everything needs to be equal. For sure. And I think it's really difficult if you go into a non-monogamous relationship expecting everything to be equal to not have disappointments along the way. Well, we have certainly found through interacting with some folks in, in the space, you know, people that we've come in contact with, couples I'm speaking of particularly, that when it comes to the concept of fairness, it really has hampered their ability to succeed in the space because it's always that conversation of, well, he can't play or she can't play if I don't play kind of thing. And I think when you start to look at the space that way, 
or at least look at the lifestyle that way from a you know from that lens, I think you're putting yourself in a position to to really you're stressing yourself out. You're putting a lot of unnecessary expectations and pressure on what could be a great experience. Sure. When I think of the concept of fairness, I always think of this amazing couple that we talked to a while back. So they were a couple that had only ever done the couple for couple play. Right. They were very much about same room, playing at the same time, both ensuring that they were having a great experience, that they were equally attracted to the other person, etc. And it was really interesting because through further communication with them, I discovered, we discovered that they were probably more geared towards being a hot wife couple. Absolutely. Uh, the man was much more interested in his female partner being satiated and he was turned on by the idea of other men being interested in her sexual and that was really what drove them in the lifestyle. So the question becomes, well, why are you not playing in that sphere then? And their answer was, well, it's only fair if we're both playing. Right. And I found that so interesting because, and they're not alone in this. I'm certainly not poo-pooing on that idea because I think it's very common, that idea of if things are not fair, it's all going to fall apart. There's going to be resentment that's built built up. This non-monogamous arrangement simply isn't going to work in the long term unless we both feel like we are, quote unquote, getting what we need. Well, and the question that begs the question, what is it that you really both need? Do you both need the same thing? And many times the answer is no. We've run into this a number of times. We have a number of people that we have coached now over a period of time that that is simply not the case. And we have met those couples. We had potentially played with those, would have potentially played with those couples had that not become a glaring issue. Yeah, the conversation of what's good for me is good for you kind of thing. And if I'm playing, you have to play. I liken that to training wheels. Once again, I use that term a lot when it comes to a lot of the stuff in ethical non-monogamy. But it's like, well, if you're playing, then I have to. Even though I, maybe as the man in the couple, really enjoy the idea of my partner being satiated by someone else. And that may be my go-to. That's the thing that really gets the ethical non-monogamous juices flowing for me. However, there's something in the back of the mind that says, but if she's engaged... I have to be, or it's just not fair. And that's really just, a. I feel like a mental block that people just have to get past a lot of times. Because for me, we've talked about this before many times on our other show, I could not play at all. And just you be the person kind of playing, in, you know, particularly in the hot wife space that we generally live in. I get the most satisfaction from that. So while I enjoy all the time with my, you know, with my partners that I have, I do absolutely prefer the idea of you playing. So it would not hurt my feelings if that were something that we did over the course of time. Well, what's interesting to me is you're saying that from the male perspective, there's this thing in the in the back of the brain going, but we both need to play in order for it to be fair. Right. I actually think about it from the female perspective, and it's something I personally have experienced, which is this concept of guilt, of if I'm the one playing more often, if I'm the one that's enjoying these sexual experiences and my partner is sitting at home or my partner is sitting in the other room not engaged with anyone, then I am being selfish. Sure. And we've we've heard this from people. People have asked us, they've reached out to us many times about, oh, Brenna, you're always playing. Why isn't, why isn't Brian more active and why doesn't he play more? And it's not fair. It doesn't seem fair. I don't really understand that concept, but frankly. I do. Because I know. I know you do because you're the one that's getting those emails and people are like, hey, Brian, how come you always get to do that? Brian doesn't. Don't you let him do that? It's like, why, is, why does anybody have to let anyone do anything? We have a very clear, open line of communication. And if I want to, which we'll talk about here shortly, 
If I want to play, then I will. And if I don't, well, I don't have to. And I get absolutely just as much, if not more, satisfaction from you being the one who is engaged in play than I. Sure, but our dynamic has created the perception that I am the selfish one in this relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, obviously, having a podcast puts a completely different spin on our non-monogamous journey because people are able to peer in on our lives and really make their own judgments about it, which is both good and bad. Yeah, for sure. It's good in that I like the fact that we put ourselves out there in a very honest and real way so people can really have conversations with their partners and understand themselves on maybe a different level than they would have before. It's also not awesome in that it does have me sometimes questioning the things that we're doing from the outside world. I think part of this idea of fairness is the outside perception. It's not necessarily what's existing between the two parties in the non-monogamous relationship. It's what sort of judgment are you receiving when you tell other people what your dynamic looks like or what feedback are you receiving from people, whether it's warranted or unwarranted, about the the ways in which you're playing in your relationship. Yeah. And again, we get this a lot, even from people that we kind of correspond with digitally or that reach out to us who are, you know, on a, on one of our platforms that, you know, want to get to know us or want to meet us. And very quickly, and, and I should say, we have a couples, we have a joined platform profiles as well as individual. And a lot of times people will reach out to either you or me individually and then, of course, as they read further, find out that one of us is part, one half of an ethically non-monogamous couple. And then the conversation a lot of times goes to, well, do you guys play alone? And it's like, you know, question mark after question mark, like, you guys play together or alone? And then we say, well, we potentially, we can do and have done both. However, we prefer to play separately. And then it's a whole line of questioning about, well, if one of you plays, doesn't the other one have to play? And, you know, it's even, it's couples who are not necessarily entirely new to the space that ask us those questions, which I always find interesting. And inevitably, it turns out that a lot of times, I'll say, you know, eight out of 10 times, that couple will say, well, if one of us plays, the other one has to. And I just find that so interesting. Yeah. You know, almost like it's where they're acquiescing to pressure that doesn't really exist. You know, like someone's going to look in and go, well, you can't do that if he doesn't do that, or you can't do that if she doesn't do that. I just don't really understand that that mentality in a space that should be full of experimental concepts. Sure. Well, why do you think it exists? Why do you think that that stigma is there? Well, I think, and I, I'm pretty sure based on a conversation you and I had not too long ago with a couple, is that there's always, an, I shouldn't say always, a lot of times there's an underlying level of guilt right? Doesn't matter what it is. If my partner is enjoying himself, then I should be enjoying myself, vice versa. Like, I don't want to play if my partner can't play. And because you feel bad, right? I mean, you went through this. You and I had this conversation very early on in our relationship because it became obvious that you were playing more than me, which was by design. And people would ask all the time, well, don't you feel guilty? Shouldn't he be able to play just as much? The answer is I can. And if I wanted to, I would. And if we discussed it, I certainly would. But I don't have to. And I don't have that feeling. And you don't have the feeling of guilt. I don't have any remorse about not playing. And you don't have the guilt about it. So we don't need to be concerned so much. But there are couples out there, and we've met them, that do have that underlying level of guilt. I've heard it from the guys for sure. Like, oh, you know, I can't be part of a play session if my wife's not going to be part of it as well, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I think, unfortunately, 
a lot of us just have that kind of in our psyche, like the guilt piece. We haven't quite gotten past it. As much as people in this space are open and accepting and prepared to share their partners, there's still that level of guilt I think that people feel. Yeah, I would agree with that. I will also say I think one of the more interesting times that this idea of fairness or tit for tat comes up is, you know, say you're a couple and you've been playing with other couples for a significant amount of time. And then you decide to truly delve into what is more of an open relationship where it's not necessarily about four people playing together on the same bed. You're more wanting to either date or engage separately with other people. You are going out with single people or you're going out with coupled people, but not as part of a couple. And I think that there's a lot of concern when you do that, that one of you is going to be far more successful than the other person. Now, often we hear that it's the woman that is receiving a lot more attention. You know, we've, we've talked to couples, for example, where both of them get on Tinder. You know, yep. they both have their Tinder accounts and the woman is getting swiped right on constantly. She's receiving all of this attention. She has all of these messages coming through and the male half is getting almost nothing or completely nothing. And they're talking about this and there is that feeling of, well, once again, on both sides, as the as the male not getting as much attention, is this really going to work out? Are we really going to be able to have a completely open relationship if I can't find female partners? Am I going to be okay with the female half of our couple going out constantly and me never going out? Is that eventually going to eat away at me and cause issues in our relationship? And then also vice versa. Once again, that feeling of guilt, if you're the female half constantly going out on dates as your man is sitting at home by himself, I mean, there's a lot of concern and it's not necessarily unwarranted concern about that incongruent amount of attention being an issue. Well, we've had this, we've spoken to a number of couples. This is not an unusual subject that we we talk to people about. And it is typically exactly what you just outlined. They got two separate profiles. You got a, you know, two, you know, got a couple, male and a female couple. They each have their own profile on some platform. And the woman in in a, uh, as you said, incongruent to an incongruent percentage gets much more attention. Well, spoiler alert, gentlemen, that's normal. <laughs> the gal is always going to get more attention. And rightfully so. Not necessarily, so. not always. We've heard it the other way as yeah, well. Yeah, not always. Not always. I shouldn't say that. But definitely the large percentage, larger percentage of, of the gals are going to get that that big kind of attention. And, th- and that's okay. I- and I, I also think it's based on things that are sometimes completely out of your control. For example, we have a couple that we talk with regularly. They're in our Telegram group. We talk with them on a regular basis where the man is the one getting far more attention than the woman. And then you ask questions like, well, where do you live geographically? What does right. what do the demographics look like in your area? They live in an area that is inundated with single women. Right. And much like you know, the reverse of that is where we live. Live, three to one men to women in our area. Yeah, the gals are going to get beat up with responses on their Tinder profiles. Which and I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's no question. I mean, you talk about uh, with you and I, and you know, we're not talking Tinder necessarily, but on our individual profiles, I mean, it's 10 to one. Right. It's 10 to one. And it's, you know, I can me one you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There is an imbalance, no question about it. But for us, I don't, for me personally, I'm not 
not, I'm not only not surprised by it, I'm certainly not offended by it. I understand what, what we're up against as guys, you know? Right. But if you had some insecurities as a man, if you were newer to the lifestyle space, or if you just weren't feeling amazing or completely confident in your non-monogamous journey anyway, think about how that would really eat away at you. For sure. I mean, it would definitely perpetuate the idea that your partner is more attractive or more desirable than you are. I, I can t- absolutely see how that's a thing. Yes. However, I think as we've talked to some folks, again, recently about, you know, getting into the space, people who are just entering into the space for the first time, haven't haven't even had their first interaction with another couple or a single uh, to this point, you really have to have a firm understanding of you as a person, not even just as a couple, but you individually, you have to kind of know what your limitations are, what your expectations are, to some degree, what you're going to be willing to accept as you enter into this space. And that you're not going to be able to answer all those questions, obviously, until you get to some of these situations or experience some of these things. But you certainly have to be able to say, okay, I have to take some personal responsibility. I've got to be able to get my head around X, Y, and Z if I'm going to be or we are going to be successful in this lifestyle or in this space. And I, I, those are some questions you're going you're gonna to end up having to answer as you go through the journey that you're going to be on. But certainly you have to have some understanding of your own abilities moving forward. I 100% agree with that. And yet I still know from personal experience that you can be at a good place with your self-esteem. You can be at an amazing place in your relationship. And yet these doubts have a way of creeping into your mind, especially when you, for example, open up your relationship, when you're first going from some other type of non-monogamy to a truly open relationship, there are lots of doubts that can sit there with you. And I think when you are having a disproportionate amount of fun, one partner has having far more than the other or having far more offers and opportunities than the other, I think that that has a way of shining the light on those doubts. Yeah, to some degree, I think there can be some some feelings of doubt and, you know, less than type situations will, will come up. But the truth is, for me, as I tell a lot of the, the gentlemen that we speak to, you've really got to resign yourself to the fact that the lady, should you be partnered with the lady, you are going to get less attention. That is just something that nine times out the of ten- The man will get less attention, absolutely. not the woman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, that is going to be the case. And there's nothing wrong with that because the truth of the matter is, I, for me personally, I love the idea that you get that much attention. And that's a big driving force for me. And so I think if you can kind of compartmentalize all those emotions, it's really not that difficult to navigate. You just got to be prepared to- kind of have these conversations openly with your partner, not be afraid to talk about, hey, you know, I feel like you're getting a lot of attention. I'm not sure how it makes me feel that I'm not getting as much. And you're definitely able to maneuver in the space easier than I am. Maybe we can talk about what I can do to improve my attractiveness or my ability to get attention or my profile, the way I'm communicating with people digitally. Are you, yeah. Are you actively communicating or are you feeling like, well, no one's reaching out to me, so I'm not going to reach out to them kind of thing. We hear that a lot. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times, hey guys, you got to make the first move. Yeah. Closed mouths don't get fed. You say it all the time. I do. I say it all the time. Closed mouths don't get fed and closed mouths do not get laid. So, you know, you've got to move forward. You got to be a little bit more active than you probably would be in normal life. Absolutely. For sure. So I want to change gears a little bit and talk through a couple of scenarios in which this concept of fairness really seems to rear its ugly head. So the first one is you are with a couple and one of you is far more attracted to and or has better chemistry with the other 
person. For example, you and I are with a couple. You have a better connection with the woman than I do with the man. Right. Provided we're talking about a heteronormative couple at this point. Sure. So that can cause a lot of rifts and weirdness. Yeah. Not not rifts for us necessarily, but certainly we had one very uncomfortable situation that came up due to that. Let's talk through it. Yeah. My being more... So we were with a couple. We had had met a couple, interacted with this couple a number of times digitally, met them uh, in person, and eventually we were going to have a nice dinner with them and potentially play. Myself and she, the female of that couple, were far more attracted to each other than you and the male of that couple. Well, the male was pretty attracted to me. I would not say I was uber Right. It was not reciprocated from you, obviously. But she was very into me. I was very into her. And when it came time to become intimate or physical, it was very obvious that she and I had chemistry. You and he did not. No. And it made for a very awkward session. And frankly, we stopped it abruptly kind of in the middle because it was so uncomfortable for you. At one point, it became so obvious to me that this was not working for you that, you know, we just basically aborted the mission. We were out. I just kind of politely moved away from the situation. We kind of came up with a reason to meet downstairs in the living room as opposed to continue play. Um, But yeah, those, those situations come up. And when they do... You've got to be quick to react. You know, the idea of taking one for the team is not something that we subscribe to. And so if one of our one of the partners is uncomfortable, myself or yourself, we simply disengage and break off and kind of reconnect later and figure out what went wrong so that it doesn't happen again. And since then, it hasn't happened. But the concept of fairness can be thought of in a lot of different ways in that specific interaction. So for, yeah, certainly one- for you, they were. Well, one way that it could have been thought of is you were having this amazing interaction. You were having a blast. This woman was giving you everything you needed from a sexual perspective to get you in the right mindset. Was it fair of me to continue to grab your foot and grunt at you to stop when you were having such a great time? Well, so here's the problem. And this is, once again, where we get into that piece where there's that unjustifiable level of guilt that some people feel, right? This was relatively early on in our journey, and we were still very actively pursuing the idea of playing with couples, right? Right. And up until that point, you had had a number of interactions with single guys because we play, obviously, predominantly in the hot wife space and have since the beginning. So leading up to this, we had only been with a few couples, which means I had only been active with a a few women leading up to this point. And because you were so just active in the lifestyle, you were feeling a level of guilt because here's a situation where this time you're not necessarily having a great time, but you can clearly see that I am. And because that didn't happen that often, you felt like I need to let this continue until it got to a point where it was so unbearably uncomfortable for you. You simply had to stop, right? Yes. Okay. So now let's back up. And let's go back to the second interaction we ever had, which was a situation where we were with an amazingly attractive couple, but because of the connection that you had with the husband of that couple, it was so strong. There was such a sexual chemistry between the two of you that the wife of that couple was very distracted by it, very put off by it. And in the middle of that play session became so uncomfortable for me, I disengaged and moved away. She and I basically just sat on the sidelines and watched you and her husband. It was so intense for you and he, in fact, that you didn't even notice how bad it was for me. And I didn't want to stop you from enjoying yourself. Right. Right. So it wasn't a question of guilt for me. I didn't feel like I earned the right to continue playing and you should have to stop because it wasn't working for me. My mindset was very different. 
I was very turned on and very excited at the idea of you guys playing. I could clearly see you were enjoying it. I was not about to stop that because that was the most enjoyment I was getting in that moment. Right. So for me, it was great. So a very different kind of perspective. But when it happened that you had me, you stopped because of the, you know, the interaction we were having where I was enjoying myself and you weren't. I know that that was playing in your mind. That time that we had was playing in your mind because you thought, well, he didn't stop me. How could I justify stopping him? Exactly. Right. But that's not healthy. And we (laughs) we learned that very quickly because the experience for you was so bad. Well, if we were another couple, though, if we were in a different place in our relationship, it very easily could have turned into that second interaction ended and you came to me and said, hey, that wasn't cool. I didn't stop you when the roles were reversed six months ago. So why are you stopping me? Right. And, And we have heard from couples that very scenario yes there, you know we we met we had a conversation with a couple during a, a session a coaching session where there was some animosity that was still pe- built up over the course of a few months and the conversation was he the male of the couple this is a heteronormative couple he was having a great time she wasn't he was unwilling to stop she was bitter about it and it caused a rift and because of that they hadn't played for a very long time and yeah that can that could start to mess with people a little bit yeah. if you don't have a really cogent, high-level ability to communicate these feelings, either before, during, or after a session, particularly after, you're going to have a hard time navigating those types of you know situations. Well, specifically, what do you think that we did well that avoided that animosity or that resentment after that interaction? Yes, very clearly, we had an, We never again ever had a convers had to have a conversation about. I am kind of interested in this as opposed to I'm really interested in this or I'm absolutely not interested in this. And we have, we had since then met with, you know, or interacted with couples where we were both very into it and thought, okay, this is going to be a great situation. And we also, where one of us was like, "Eh, I'm not really feeling this. We just simply did not engage with them. No. Yeah. No No negotiation. there, There was no, again, we don't play that Back and forth, well, you had a good time last time. I need to have a good time this time. So you're going to have to take one for the team. That is not a thing that we subscribe to. And we don't, listen, everybody has their own journey. They're going to be on their own journey. We simply don't ever recommend that. I, we have just talked to too many people where that never seems to be good at, at in the end game. Yeah, and I think that's a, you said it perfectly when you said that I had been playing so much leading up to that second interaction with that couple where the woman was very much into you and the husband and I were not hitting it off. I had played with probably four or five people since you had last played with someone when we met that couple. Yeah, and we're talking, so, and again, we're going back a couple of years now. This was very early on in, in our, uh, three years, early on in our, our journey, but it was it was a learning experience but very quickly. My thought, my my mind processing at that point was I've had all of these experiences and you haven't had any. So there needs to be a part of me that understands that it's now your turn, right? I'm going to make this work. I'm going to figure it out with this guy. I got to suck it up. Just got to suck it up. Because it's your turn to have the right. fun now. Yeah. And, and here's the truth of it. And this is really... This is a very positive thing for us, particularly because we're very fortunate, at least for I feel like I'm very fortunate. The idea that I have to have a great time in order, like I have to have a physically amazing sexual experience in order for me to truly enjoy an experience is foreign concept to me, as I've discussed. I am much more satiated by the idea of you being fulfilled and having a good time 
than I am. So while in that moment with this particular gal, and let me make clear, this woman is smoking hot. Yes, beautiful. Absolutely up to that point, the most beautiful woman that we have engaged with in the space. She's gorgeous and super sexy, and I was enjoying every minute of it. But under no circumstance would I have said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm enjoying myself. I am not stopping because I earned this. Right. It's I, my turn. Yeah, yeah. I very quickly was like, okay, this is over because I could see the look on your face, even through the candlelight, that this was not going well. Yeah. So my point is, if you're not having a good time, you as my partner, do not enjoy yourself. No matter what my experience was, it was going to be terrible for me because it's all about the reconnection for us. Right. You know, we play off of those interactions pre-game and post-game. And if it's not good for you, it is not going to be good for me. So it doesn't benefit me to have, have gone through with that particular interaction with this woman, although super attracted to her, smoking hot, amazing body. And it just wouldn't have mattered. And at the, at the end of the night, it just would not have mattered because you and I would not have been to, capable of connecting on the level of, that we normally would connect. Right. You know, so it was just, would have, it would have just been a waste, yeah. unfortunately. Absolutely. And I think the point that you bring up is in those scenarios, in those interactions, thinking of it as tit for tat is completely the wrong way to go. Instead, you should be focused on what is it that is our goal? What is it that drives us in the lifestyle? And that's what you work towards. It's not right. keeping score. It's not you get one, then the next one's on me. And yeah, if I have no, a bad yeah. interaction, you suck it up. It's what can we do as a couple to work towards a mutually beneficial and pleasurable situation? Yeah, you know, we've talked to some couples and we've actually had conversations and sat down and had dinner with some couples. Didn't play with them, obviously, because it just wasn't a, a good fit. But a lot of times I, I got picture, images in my head of like of a dry erase board in the bedroom where they're just each one of them has writing down, you know, a mark like okay I got one you got one you know notches on the board like to me that would just be exhausting well I think that relates well to the next scenario I wanted to bring up which is we often hear from couples where for example their first experience in the lifestyle is a threesome with another woman yes right and that's great and the woman gets to kind of play out some of her bi curiosities and it's this very hot experience and then they think to themselves well eventually we then need to have a threesome with another man because that's only fair right and when you actually speak to them, sometimes you realize that's not really even what both of you want. Exactly. You know, that's not the desire that's there. In fact, often the whole reason that people get into the lifestyle as a couple is because the female half wants to really experience another woman. She has these bisexual thoughts and wants to be able to live those out. So the idea of being with another man and her husband isn't what drives her. Right. And yet they both find themselves trying to seek that out because once again, that's what's fair. Yeah. The, the idea of fairness is such a foreign concept again to me when it comes to this, because what's fair when it comes to pleasure and satiation and comfort and happiness for your partner, right? If you're happy and you're satiated and you have been fulfilled, to me, that's fair. I'm, that's all the fairness I need. I'm not concerned about whether or not, well, you know, Brenna had a great time. I didn't. I need to write this on the board because I'm owed one, like some kind of IOU, some arbitrary IOU. I don't quite understand that. It's not something I can wrap my head around. Now, conversely to what you said, we have also met couples who say, oh, we only play with single gals or we only play, we only have threesomes with a woman, never with a guy. And then you speak to the woman of the couple and it's like, oh yeah, I would totally want to do that. But the gentleman is not entertaining that for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, now there's a level of fairness I can wrap my head around. Like, 
But this is something she wants. Why wouldn't you want her to have that? Or what is your hang up that is not allowing you to get to that place? Yeah, how are you not getting yourself, your, mentally, how are you not getting around it? You're getting what you want. And she's happy to provide that opportunity for you. And of course, she's into it as well. But here's a situation where there's something your, your partner really wants. And for whatever reason, you're blocked. You can't get yourself to allow that to happen. Now, I'm not saying that it's right, wrong, fair, or unfair. But you really have to have kind of a conversation with yourself about why is it that I can't allow my partner to get what she needs in this moment. Right. That, that's where I can kind of understand a, a conversation with yourself about what is fair and what isn't and what's right and wrong. It's really not fair. It's what's right and wrong. You're in this space, you're in this lifestyle for each other as much as you are for yourself, I would think. And you want your partner to have all of the best possible experiences. Right. And if that's something your partner needs, I just don't know why you wouldn't want to provide it or, or you know, well, be part I, of it. I think often in that scenario, they do want to provide it, but there is something that is allowing, that is preventing them from, absolutely from going that route. And I think that's a situation in which, you know, especially if your partner is gung ho about, yeah, let's have a threesome with another woman and fulfill this fantasy for you. There should be a part of you that wants to work toward that with your partner as well. Does that mean it's gonna you're gonna turn around and do it the the next day because quote unquote that's what's fair? No, that's silly. But right. I think you as a couple really need to work towards having those insecurities or those obstacles taken away so that you both can receive what you want and need out of the lifestyle. And listen, there's also a possibility, and we we know this for sure, that there will likely not be a time where certain people are capable of pulling that trigger. And that is okay. However, I do feel like that's a conversation that should be had between a couple very early on before engaging almost in any kind of a situation where you're involving someone else in your relationship. If you're bringing someone else into the bedroom, I think you need to be able to have an open conversation and say, listen, I'm really into this. I want to make this happen. I want to be certain that your fantasies are fulfilled. However, for me at this moment, this is really a hard stop. I'm not going to be able to do this down the line maybe, but right now I just can't do it. And I feel like it's the onus of responsibility is on you to make that clear before anything else so yeah. that there's no expectation of well we did this so now we're going to do that right that's really a responsibility you've got as an individual to make clear that you are not going to be able to make this happen i agree 100 it's just that important I that think. is fair <laughs> that's fair absolutely yes so the next scenario i want to talk through is something that we have been personally kind of dealing with which is yeah polyamory and once again that we were talking about the concept of an open relationship and how you know one partner may get a lot more action quote unquote <laughs> than the other but yeah. also in polyamorous situations when you decide to open yourselves up romantically to other people there is a very high likelihood that one person will really hit it off more so with somebody else than the other partner does. Yes. What's really interesting about our relationship is we began in the polyamorous world with you going, hey, Brenna, I think you should go out, go on some dates, feel out the dating world. Right. And I'm not necessarily going to date right now, but I really want that for you. Exactly. I did not foresee a time. In fact, I think we I said this openly on one of the shows or maybe multiple shows. I did not see a time in the immediate future that... I would be the one dating in a polyamorous way. It would be you. Right. And 
boy, was I wrong. (laughs) So I think mentally for me, there was this idea of there was a little bit of safety in knowing that I was the one that was going to go out and have this experience first. My thought was I I always kind of felt that you may shift a little bit in that way and, and want to really kind of start dating and branching out and developing a more meaningful connection with people because you are not necessarily someone who likes those sexual one-offs. You like to really connect with people. Yes. And I thought, okay, once I get comfortable in this space, Brian will then be able to kind of go off and do it as well because he'll see that I'm having a great time and, and it's good for our relationship. So I went on a couple of dates with some quote unquote polyamorous people and it, none of them really panned out. Nice enough guys, but there just wasn't a connection there. And since then, I have really kind of stepped back from that world because I find that I really enjoy more of the sexual gratification and I don't necessarily want to put myself out there romantically right now. Right. And you are actually the one who has been basically dating someone. Yeah, I've yeah, you talk about reversal of roles. You had a number of dates, two or three, four dates with one particular solo poly gentleman and a couple of other dates with someone else, as you said, didn't pan out. In the entire time, I was thinking, well, you know, this is just going to be Brenna's path. I'm going to sit back and kind of take it all in and see what happens. And then, of course, as you least expect it, I am contacted by an amazing gal who now I've been seeing for a number of weeks. And you're not in that space at all. Right. You know, now this is going well for me. She and I are getting along very well. It's a regular communication, seeing each other as regularly as we can. We obviously live about an hour away from her. But yeah, it's a unique place for me to be because it's it wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. And certainly a change a juxtaposition for us. Well, it's a deviation from the plan. And I think that's... Sure. Yeah, well, there you go. We, pl- <laughs> we shouldn't plan anything. Yeah, the plan was for me to be the polyamorous one and for you to not be the polyamorous one. And, yeah. and so far that has not happened. And I think that if we were going by the concept of things must be fair in our relationship, there would be this feeling of, well, the plan was this and now it's not fair for us to not go by that plan. Yeah, when you think of it that way, you have to imagine how many opportunities we would have missed out on to meet amazing people. Like this this gal in particular that we're talking about that I've been seeing. I mean, you talk about a unique person, yes. right? I would never have had the opportunity to meet someone quite like her. And a wonderful person that really has brought quite a bit to your life. Yeah, I just, yeah, again, just a very different person in general, not someone that I would normally come in contact with, certainly would not have expected to come in contact with her where we live. I mean, it's so such an unusual place to meet someone like her, just, you know, really an amazing human being. But think of if I if we had said, well, or if you and I had a conversation and you said, well, this isn't working out for me. I don't really know that I want you to go down that road. Right. You know, this would have been feel fair to me. (laughs) Right. It would have been a real missed opportunity because it's such a unique experience. Well, it would have been a missed opportunity for us as a couple as well, because I think with this, this situation with this other woman has taught me is that I am capable of allowing, and I, I say allowing, maybe I should say more providing blessing that you are going out and being more romantic with somebody else. I think there have been situations in the past where you have been what I consider more intimate with people and I haven't necessarily loved it. And it's been a journey for me to get to this point now where I go, God, I really like that Brian is doing this for himself and that he's learning about himself in this way. And so I think for us as a couple, we would have limited our potential had we not gone down this road and 
and had I pulled the fair card? Well, um, once again, the the missed opportunities would have been many, basically because this, again, is such an incredible person. But then you consider the idea that I have, because of some of the conversations you and I had in terms of me becoming more active, more open with what it is that I wanted from a sexual perspective and, you know, meeting people and, and really putting myself out there, which I never really did. That, that's not my thing. I'm much more the background kind of guy. I'm the landscape, you know, you're always you're the, so not the you're, landscape. But you're, but you're always the person out front, even when we are in small gatherings. We I'm don't, the more we outgoing one. Yeah, sure. we don't go to big events. We don't, even when there isn't a pandemic, we're not big event people. And I don't like to be in large crowds. So even when we're just with, even when we're just with friends, you know, when, we, when the world was normal, and we had the opportunity to be out with a number of friends, I would always kind of be in the background and, and you would be out in the forefront. And in this situation, that we, the conversations that you and I had over the last 90, 120 days now were I really should put myself out there a little more because our lives are going to change in 2021 for, for the better, for sure, but going to put us in a different different space. And so I did. And, you know, the idea that I went to an event with a large number of people by myself to a party, basically a private event, very... Not you know, a large well, number of people, 20 people. 20 people total in a, a space that was 5,000 square feet. But to, for, for me to have done that on my own without you was a very... I mean, it was a foreign concept. Right. And then the idea that I went on the first date with this gal that we're referring to for the, for the first time was very strange. And then the idea that I went on a second and a third... It was almost, it's almost hard to believe that I even have done it. Right. You know, and then I'm communicating the way I am with her. So, yeah, it, it puts a unique perspective on the plan. You know, the pl- plans change. Yes. You know, they're constantly fluid when it comes to this space for us, for sure. Yeah. And I think the whole point is that when you plan something out and it doesn't go according to plan, that's not unfair. No, there's nothing unfair about it. It is just what it is. And again, the truth is, you and I are benefiting as a couple from all of these experiences from from my experience with this particular gal, you and I are benefiting from it because if nothing else, it opens up conversations much like the one we're having now, which is it lends itself to how does this feel? What does this look like going forward? How, how can we have improved this process? What isn't working for us? I mean, all of those questions start to come up. Well, I also think you've become a better partner as a result of this. For sure, because I am now, you know, you obviously are 20 years my junior. She is 20 years my junior. You have, while you have very different life experiences, you both have a lot of life experience, very different from mine. And having both of your perspectives is to some, sometimes overwhelming, I guess, <laughs> but it very, it, it's eye opening. It's like you have to, be, I have to be very conscious of what it is that I'm saying, when I'm saying it, how I'm saying it, because I have to be cognizant of, of, you know, different perspectives and feelings and life experiences. So I can't just word vomit. I need to really think about what's coming out of my mouth and I need to consider multiple people's feelings, schedules, times, all of those things have to be taken into consideration. I think it has up, upped your empathy level significantly. hundred yeah. percent. Where ordinarily things would not have been a concern to me, they are of a tremendous concern to me now. Yeah. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's really awesome. No. And going forward for us, uh, based on what we have planned uh, for the next year or two, uh, it's going to become really important for us. Yeah. For me. For sure. You no, know, from a growth perspective. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think this entire conversation about fairness comes down to the concept of, first of all, relationships aren't meant to be fair. You know, I think about it, even take away non-monogamy, take away a sexual perspective. There are always going to be ebbs and flows in a relationship. There are always going to be times when one of you is doing better than the other, whether it's professionally, emotionally, mentally, whatever. And the, the concept of a healthy relationship is support. Right. The other part of it is understanding that if you have these these feelings of resentment or guilt that are built up as a result of perceived unfairness in a relationship, that can almost always be resolved through some serious and honest communication about those things. And I think if you are constantly keeping score, like you said, if you constantly have that whiteboard that you're putting down the tick marks on, no matter what it is in your relationship, you're setting yourselves up for failure because you're pitting yourselves against your partner. Well, yeah, and for us, and again, we don't speak for every couple, certainly. We can only speak for ourselves and, and happy to have a conversation with anyone who wants to have it about communication. When you talk about right wins and losses, if I win, you win. If you win, I win. If yes. one of us loses, the other loses. And it doesn't matter whether it's a relationship component or a professional component, just doesn't matter. We're a team, and if one of us wins, we both win. If one of us fails, we both fail. And that's just how we look at it. So if you're doing well at something, great for us. You know, If you're not, then we need to talk about it and try to figure out how we can do better at it, because as far as I'm concerned, it's a team win or a team loss. Yeah. Certainly. So don't let non-monogamy drive a wedge between you. The whole point of being in a non-monogamous relationship should be that you're really building towards something bigger and better with each other. And you're also working hard on creating mutually beneficial sexual experiences. And if you're not, then you shouldn't be doing it. Absolutely not. And don't get bogged down honestly, with the negativity that you may come across in this space. You need to stay positive, stay focused on your relationship. Don't let the little stumbles throw you. You know, if, if you are earnestly sincere about wanting to pursue ethical non-monogamy with your partner, then you need to be prepared to stumble. And just don't get don't get weighed down with the negativity. Yeah, well said. So if you guys want to discuss this topic in further detail, we do consultative calls as well as coaching sessions via our platform, Sex on Your Terms, which you can find at sexonyourterms.com. You can also email us with your questions, comments, future topics for shows, etc. at sexonyourterms at gmail.com. We hope that you will find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at sexonyourterms. We've also been putting up Sex on Your Terms videos, vlogs, on our YouTube channel, which is under Front Porch Swingers. I did a little anal tutorial last week and have some plans for some future sex-related items on there. So we hope that you'll subscribe and check us out over there. And we want to give a very big thank you to those of you who have subscribed and left us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, keep them coming. We so appreciate that. That is what is going to help us continue to grow the show. So uh, your support there would be so appreciated. Yes. Thank you all so much. And until next time, we hope you enjoy sex on your terms. <laughs>